This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And foot's player back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walk out of here, give the pat on the back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey folks, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most wonderful football club in the multiverse, that is the Footscray Football Club, trading as Western Bulldogs. Uh, I'm Danny McGinley. He's Tom Boyd. You look refreshed after the bye weeks. Well, we have to uh, prepare as well as we can for the Tom Boyd Cup this week, mate. Um, Have they uh, asked you about officially making it that, you know, or at least best on ground gets the Tom Boyd medal? Well, no. (laughs) No. Okay, who else could it? Callan Ward. Callan Ward, Dylan Addison... Uh, Leon, Leon, oh, Leon Ryan Cameron. Griffin, yeah, who? No, never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm probably right at the bottom of that list. It was funny. I think Daniel Gorringe managed to uh, just by pure persistence take over the Gold Coast Carlton game and make that the Daniel Gorringe Cup unofficially. But um, I haven't been so lucky yet. So you 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 know Daniel Gorringe. You've told me a story about him that we will save for another episode. Uh, Have I? When we get when he was playing at Baldwin. Because we're not oh, going to get the yeah. other person involved as a guest. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a teaser for a later episode. We've got a brilliant guest uh, right now. Very excited to bring on the star of Lego Masters. He's got a new book out called The The Brictionary. And a lot of people don't realise he's a mad Bulldogs fan. Ryan Brickman McNaught. Welcome to Danny Boyd. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And don't forget Sam Reid either, the Sam Reid Cup. Right. Well, Sam Reid is one of the most interesting stories in football as Bulldogs... Giants, delisted, work at the club, train with the boys, redrafted by the Giants, and then has like his best final like four years of his career in the second stint of the Giants. Oh wow! A massive journey and type one diabetic. Um, you know, massive, uh, massive proponent for that. So yeah, good man, Sam. Very good man. It's so weird in a sporting vernacular. Whenever, when, if you say type one diabetic, it's like, yeah, mate, he's he's in the elite. He's in the Champions League. <laughs> I think diabetes. it's type one, isn't it? I've no idea. Oh, it's the one w- which is genetic. I think it could be. Type I, yeah. one. I know. Nothing I think it's the one Paddy McCartan has as well, and it's quite difficult when you're a footballer because you're burning so many calories or an yeah. athlete, and you're trying to keep your blood glucose at a similar level. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just tough for life generally. But yeah, what diseases have you got, uh, Brickman? <laughs> Um, well, I've just got over COVID, Yay! so congrats. <laughs> I guess. Look, um, it's funny. The family had it months and months ago, and I managed to avoid them. But um, for some reason, I actually came back from the UK, so I've got Royal Jubilee strain. Oh. If that mm. There you go. So, uh, congratulations! I got the Royal flu. Why, why are we over in UK? Are you, are you a staunch monarchist and went over and or did Lizzie? Was this Lizzie's <laughs> request? She wanted a, a Lego Buckingham Palace. 
No, there was definitely no uh, definitely no royal ties. Just over there for work. We've got an exhibition over there, so uh, just happened to be over there doing that and got the ultimate gift, really, from, from Mother I England. would say the funniest part about that statement was that you didn't say that you managed to stay away from COVID. You said you managed to stay away from them being your family. <laughs> so good on you. I appreciate yeah. that sentiment. How old are you? Are, are, is your, do you have kids, Rickman? Yeah, twin boys. They're uh, they're fourteen, going on twenty six. Oh man, fourteen! Because you've become you were always you know pretty well known in Lego circles, but due to a certain TV show, have exploded into the public eye. But fourteen is just at the age where my mate has a phrase about his teenage sons that uh, you know they're they're loving little boys, and then around twelve they go over the dickhead horizon, mm. and they'll come back. But right, fourteen is right in the. Do they? And but you becoming a lot more famous, coinciding with that, has that worked in your favour or totally against you? Total opposite. They've, they're I'm the uncoolest guy you could ever possibly <laughs> imagine. Um, but that's okay. That makes you when you drop them off at school, honk the horn a little bit longer, <laughs> just give them a little bit longer of a wave, all of that kind of stuff. So you know, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to embarrass my daughter. Oh, it's yeah. right on the horizon. So if you didn't know, uh, Brickman, I have a uh, a two month old at home at the moment, and uh, that is his. By the way, he didn't just steal it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it found a, she found her way into the home. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to her being four or five or six or 12 or 14 and really being able to embarrass her in front of all of her friends. <laughs> it sounds awesome. What I, w- what I would say is you've got to enjoy the now because, I mean, I actually don't remember the first year of their existence at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a complete blur as a parent. So I reckon you've got to probably suck up the now and enjoy the now while you can. I'm surprised you're even here with us and not asleep on the couch somewhere, to be brutally honest. I uh, moved. I actually had to uh, do an interview this morning on RSN with our great mate, Mark Stevens, who's now the producer over there. Oh, is he? Yeah, for Half and Whitey. And um, to that point, at about 3 o'clock this morning when the screams lasted a bit longer than they normally do, I was like, I don't I've got to be up at six. I'm going downstairs. So um, hence why I'm here today. That's the only reason. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Twins is nuts. Are are your boys into the Bulldogs to bring it back onto our proper subject? All right. Well, this is is where the the news turns ugly, I'm afraid. So um, what happened was there was a bet made. So um, my ex-wife, who's a very passionate Hawthorne member, I know, yeah. And they were born in 2008, and the bet was oh, no. that whoever's team won the flag first, oh, right? Well, they so had that, four chances. You know, <laughs> I know. In 2008, this bloke called Buddy Franklin, whoever he is, Ugh. decided to go bananas, and the Hawks, the Hawks jagged it. Is he the it. guy so, who works no for dice. politics? You know, that guy, the model for politics, is that him? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Not in politics, for politics. Yeah. Vastly different yeah. conversation. That's how Boydie describes the new Prime Minister, the yeah. guy who works in politics. <laughs> no, works for politics. Works that's for even politics. Better. Man, that's, that's yeah. heartbreaking, Brickman. Is it, like, I do know a lot of families who have this. In fact, I... Uh, I've got very good friends, a couple. She's Richmond, he's Geelong. Mm. She was pregnant during the 2020 grand final. Right. So add to the stress of being in lockdown, your team's in the grand final. They were playing for the child's allegiances. Wow. And Nick Floston got knocked out in the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And to this day, he reminds me, I had more tackles than 15 of the Geelong players in the seven <laughs> minutes that I played. <laughs> And are they heavily into footy, your lads? 
Uh, yeah, look, it comes and goes. They're not, I mean, I obviously grew up as a very passionate football supporter myself. So I think times are a little bit different nowadays where they've got, you know, they kind of get diverted away into different callings in life. So they're not as passionate as what as what I was as a kid, but they still, they still love their footy. It's not like me. I mean, I'd sit down on a Friday night and go, oh, who's playing tonight? You know, what's tonight going to be like on answering that? Kids really aren't, well, my kids at least aren't really like that. They're just like, unless it's the... You know the Hawks or the Dogs or whoever, someone interesting playing. Forget it. Yeah. You know? Well, so what? What is your journey, Brickman? Or why are you supporting the Dogs family? Or where did you grow up? What, what's the sort of Dogs journey for you? Yeah. Well, um, this a bit, little bit more controversy here. So, um, <laughs> my dad is a very passionate Carlton man. Oh, uh, grew up in in Bendigo, so very much the Carlton zone back in the days when they had zones, Correct. of course, for recruiting. That's all right. Boydie's a Carlton <laughs> fan, so uh, it works out well. Very passionate Carlton fan. They grew up in an Essendon zone, actually. Oh. <laughs> there you go. And so um, Dad used to actually drive the bus for the Carlton supporters group to Princess Park every oh, week. Wow. So. Yeah, so uh, on that bus, I was subjected to, like, um, you know, Mark McClure's mum, Rod Austin's mum, all of these Carlton players' families would be on this Bendigo bus. So I had no choice but to um, be into Carlton. But in 1985, my mum and all her side of the family are all Footscray or, or Bulldog supporters, and I made a bet. I made oh, a bet with gamble. mum and dad. Yeah, this rife in the Mc... yeah. Someone with an Irish surname would lose their allegiances to gambling. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought, huh? And um, the bet was in 1985, if the Bulldogs beat Carlton twice in that year, and let's be honest, in 84, the dogs were crap. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Bulldogs won, beat Carlton twice in 85, I'd barrack them for life. No returns, keeps wow. these forever. Hang on, was this bet done by you and your parents or was it between your mum and your dad? No, no, it was, it was, uh, I was involved and it was the bet to settle all enough of trying to split me in right. half Kramer versus Kramer style. <laughs> this was like to, to get it done. So, uh, yeah, and in 1985, things were bloody awesome for the dogs. So I ended up, that's how I ended up. It was a freaky year. Like I was only uh, three years old, so I have no memory <laughs> of it. But in my knowledge of the, the history of the Footscray Football Club, we were, you know, terrible from pretty much 1955 onwards. Mm. and But then out of nowhere, 85, we're good. Like it was like a bit like the, the oh, I would say 1997 for me or 1992 was the first time I remember the Bulldogs being good. I'm trying to remember for you, Boydie. It'd be like 2015. For the Bulldogs? For the Bulldogs. No, well, I'm, I remember the the sort of 08, 09 oh, pre, yeah. prelims, them sort of coming on the scene then. 06 was the year that we suddenly went, oh, hang on, where, yeah, yeah. where I, are we? I was a, the, probably the biggest general football fan in that era because once I got to like 2010, it was like now watch the game to try and learn something, whereas before that it was just cheering the teams on that I loved. And to your point, Brickman, I was the kid who watched – Probably six games of footy a weekend. You know, I watched the locals, um, you know, halftime in the resis to – so I actually went down in the morning, watched the 18s, go home, yeah. grab some food, salad sangers or chicken sangers or whatever, go back for halftime at the twos, watch the twos, watch the ones, there after the game to watch the – the um the highlights of the the games in the AFL, then go home watch the mate. I was crazy. I watched it all day, every day. So and now, and now look at him. I can't even get him to watch a match. Oh, I can't watch some <laughs> matches. 
<laughs> I, funnily enough, Brickman, they've been asking me about this Jason Horn Francis, um, who I called Jack, I think, about five times before I realised his name was Jason. <laughs> and they're trying to get me to like give insight into, oh, mate, what advice would you give him? I said, well, firstly, I haven't watched him play a single second of football, so pretty bloody hard. <laughs> And then, as it so happened, after I agreed to do this article that came out today or yesterday, um, on the weekend... The, what article are you doing? Oh, I did it for The Code, which is like a... Oh, it's a, the new, new Herald Sun Sport. Uh, no, well, they're not... They're, I, don't I think, thought it was Murdoch owned. Maybe, but they don't, they're definitely not part of... Because they're different to The Sun. They are, but it's... Yeah, I think it's owned by Murdoch. Whatever. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Play on. So I did it, and... What, Just, what was the article? It was about basically the, sh- the challenges he's having on the field. It's sort of second year, or I think. Like a, a first, a number one, from an elder statesman, number one pick, yes. chatting to a younger one. No. Well, that's what I said. I'm not giving him any advice because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And I'm also not in the game. Like, don't follow my journey. It didn't work out that well. Like, just I argue that call, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> anyway, so then my first foray into anything related to him was on the weekend. I My dad had the radio on in the garage down at Anglesey. And all I hear is, oh, he's just plain terrible. He's, you know, body language is rubbish. Oh, bang, he's hit him downfield. He's going to get weeks for that. And then he gets suspended two days later. And that was it. So, mate, it's, uh, yeah. It's but there a- seemed to be an absolute storm in a teacup being brought up that uh, Todd Goldstein was give- was sort of yelling at him or at least giving him advice at mm. one of the quarter times. Now, but that's pretty common on a footy field, players yelling at each other, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I think the number one pick comes with a lot of extra, like, eyeballs on you. And it's so stupid, right? Josh Kelly was number two and he was a superstar. Like, and he was always going to be a superstar for me. I mean, at least in my year. Um, but yeah, look, I've been yelled at by plenty of senior players. Uh, I think it's just like when you demonstratively do it on TV after they've been talking about you and you're the ruckman, they're probably like, yeah. But he didn't know yeah. what the commentators no, have been saying. A well, they'd know, but he'd know what the conversation was leading up to the game. Okay. They've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, I think. I mean, it is a ruckman's rite of passage to abuse those underneath him at some point in time. So, you know, we can't be, uh, can't be too hard. It's the Jimmy. game's changed, Brickman. That, that, I think that used to be the case. Ruckmen are like <laughs> the bullied class these days. <laughs> Here we go. There's none, Here we go. There's none of them left. <laughs> then the third man up rule came in, which I loved. But in terms of preserving Ruckman, we got rid of that. And now they just get abused by all of the midfielders for not hitting the ball to where they want it. Oh, mate. And then they're expected to defend. Defend? Yeah. They're six foot ten. Let them hit the ball around. <laughs> take a couple of grabs. Try and kick a couple of goals. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. And, and Brickman, I'm guessing you played footy in Bendigo in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I yep. dare say he got yelled at by a fair few ruckmen and, mm. uh, and probably belted a few times as well. <laughs> you, you, what, yeah, what probably. Position, did, did you play, Brickman? Yeah, yeah, I did. I played for a couple of teams. I played for Kangaroo Flat yeah. um, in in Bendigo, which uh, the Mighty Flat, and um, oh it was absolutely terrible there. I I, I had um, I had a couple of statless games, but that's okay. That's we fine, we, we didn't win the statless yeah. games. Yeah. But probably my best game I ever played. I played for Shepparton East. I used to do pick fruit and stuff up in summertimes, and and that up in Shepparton, and uh, played for Shepparton East, the Bombers up there, and played a season there. And anyway. Um, uh, basically the Ovens and Murray League. And so in winter up there, you'd play in places like Mansfield and Wangaratta and Benalla and those sorts of wonderful, beautiful country places. Anyway, playing there in the under-18s, um, it was usually minus 10 on a Saturday morning uh, in, in July or wow. up, in, up in Mansfield. Anyway, one day the fog was so thick, 
I was in the back line and you couldn't see the centre square. Yep. And this, this footy just came out of the fog one day and I marked it and I pretty much went unopposed um, and kicked a goal because no one could see me through the... <laughs> That's kind of like that's my claim to fame, mate. That's so. a, that is a great story. We played it very similarly. We had a game which was an, an interleague game, so you sort of best players from juniors, um, under oh, yeah. 13s, 12, 13s. Kind of feels like a really big deal at the time, and then you realize that it's yep. like just completely slanted by whichever local club's coach is coaching the interleague side. <laughs> but we played a game at Noble Park against Dandenong, I think. And um, this one kid at the end of the game comes off all chuffed up and he's uh, he's kicked three or four. And and no one could prove him wrong. So at the end of the game, you know, he gets another week. He's, he's picked again. And I'm like, we couldn't see anything. And then what was happening was the goal umpire would run to tell the closest field umpire what had happened. The next field umpire would run to the centre and tell the centre field umpire. He'd throw it up and off they'd go again. It's like Chinese whispers playing football. Yeah. Apparently they've kicked six goals. Apparently. <laughs> Actually, I used to play footy with a, a kid, and I'll name and shame him because it's it's actually at the time it used to annoy me, but I think it's genius now. His name was Conda Dillis, and uh, at the end of the game, he would always just jump, you know, do and do a like slip and slide into whatever mud there was, even if it hadn't been raining that day. He'd yep. find mud somewhere just so he could go home, and his dad would go, "How'd you play?" And he go, "Look at me." <laughs> <laughs> well, too many experiences playing on. Uh, those uh, turf wickets that they have at all the sub-district cricket grounds oh, yeah. in the Ammos and in the VFL, my um, strategy was vastly different. If I could avoid that mud by any cost, I would do exactly that because after running through it twice, it'll get all sticky on your boots. It wouldn't be able to kick. It wouldn't be able to run. Just I'd come off looking bloody clean as a whistle. <laughs> We had the. Do you, do you, I always remember playing on a field once, and there was like a, a sprinkler system, but it had a big metal cap. Oh on it. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just got. I yeah. literally fell on my knee onto that. Yep. And just bashed it. Oh, up. I horrible. couldn't play. Couldn't. No. Play, couldn't play for the rest of the game. When did you uh, come down to? Uh, I presume you're in Melbourne now, Brickman. Where yeah, in Melbourne now. Move? Moved down um, basically after after high school. Like most things, you come to Melbourne for a career. You end up, um, you know, coming to the big smoke and. My first job out of school was I worked for Ansett, the airline, oh, yeah. back in the day. And so, uh, yeah, not much of a career in, in airline work um, uh, in Bendigo. So I ended up in the business. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair call. Yeah. What, um, what, what were you? Were you a, tro- a trolley dolly? You're, you're, a, you're a nice guy. I could see you doing that. No, no, uh, no got, I've got a head for back office. No question about that. So um, <laughs> uh, I was in IT. I was in, uh, I was in IT. But the cool thing about Ansett was um, – they actually, they, they gave you like a, a, the traineeship is you would work in different departments for many months, right. sort of over a year, just to get like a feel of the business and stuff like that. So I actually got to enjoy lots of different sides of it, which was which was awesome. And flew a couple of planes. Yeah, by that's the what end. I was say. <laughs> Back in those days, pre-September 11, you could just, you could sit in the jump seat in the cockpit oh. and no problems at all. Oh, wow. So yeah, did that many a time. Flew it, engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Build it. They just they go. So you know, should be right. <laughs> That's really interesting. They uh, they do that in quite a lot of businesses still this day uh, to this day in terms of just like rotating their cadets throughout the different parts. But you know, the unfortunate part of that is that if you start on the good bits, <laughs> you end uh, on the bad yeah. bits, or vice versa. Um, so then, what was the uh, the change like? So once you came down to Melbourne and you can finally actually see the dogs somewhat in person, did you uh, start you know spending time at, at Western Wait, Oval? Yeah. What year did you did you come down? Um, so I came down in uh, 92, right, so it was a good year it. there. But, 
but prior to that, we were we were weekend every weekend. Uh, we'd be down. Oh, right. We'd take the drive on Saturday. So my mum, being the bulldogs person, so we drive together. She'd finish work at eleven fifty nine on a Saturday morning, and we'd set the land speed record down the Calder <laughs> Highway to. Um, it's great. We'd park at the old Western Hospital and we'd basically run and we'd almost always just get the very first bounce. Right, up so, on Eleanor um, Street there. Yep, yep. Um, and um, uh, all my family, or mum's side of the family anyway, they would all stand at the um, the Geelong Road end, so we'd kind of work our way around there. And my grandmother, the late Hazel, she was she was uh, up in the grandstand and so half time it'd be I'd go up and see Nana in the grandstand and she'd have a thermos full of the most amazing soup so I always used to uh, always used to head up there at halftime. So yeah, it was we, we had a wonderful time at the Western. I Oval. used to sit uh, Geelong Road end, so we were probably near each other for a fair few games there, Brickman. Well, I used to be that kid that was collecting the cans for a while and Did all you? that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So we probably had punched on behind the behind the goals there. <laughs> we were trying to collect the five cent piece or whatever. Is that what was going on? And I still tell my kids today the greatest scam I ever pulled in my life, not that I've done many, but was we used to put a rock in every can to make them weigh a bit more. <laughs> so that when we, when we cashed them in, we'd always... <laughs> and what's your record? for? How much did you get for, um, for, you know, for, for a bag of cans? Oh, it wasn't much. It was only like a couple of bucks. But so, to a young fella, those couple of bucks were pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, if I was, and if it was a really terrible day, we'd always end up getting the, the donuts from the donut van there, up there at the Geelong Road end and... I always remember the jam being so hot, you'd pretty much scorch yes. half your mouth. It was hotter than lava. I do remember it that. It was. But do you remember was. there was a there was a family that would have a uh, a tub? I think they they must have been Italian. They had a tub full of sandwiches, mortadella sandwiches, oh. that would just, and they just overcated. So any kid that walked past, they were like, hey, hey, and they just give you, <laughs> you get a free sandwich. It was so good. And if you were lucky, you yeah, got one with tomato sauce because they just handed out. There was there was some with pickle, which uh, you know wasn't yeah. great for my nine year old palate. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. Um, and we were we were social club members, so then after after the game, win, lose or draw, we'd all we'd all go into the social club for dinner afterwards. That was kind of the thing, and have a drink and that kind of stuff afterwards. Really? What was and the, um, what was the menu of the Bulldogs social club in the early nineties? Um. Pretty terrible, from what I can from what I what can recall. So it was probably like a salted packet of peanuts. Maybe yeah. was probably the delicacy of what, of what it was. But um, and of course, as kids, you, you know, um, parents would be drinking and smoking, and you know, talking to players or coaches or that kind of stuff. And they do the presentations, like you know, they do the old "Here's the envelope with the money oh, for the best course. player of the day," and you know, all of those kind of wonderful things. But us kids, we weren't we weren't too interested in that, so we used to just get up to all sorts of trouble. And mischief, to be honest. Yeah, I bet. I remember those. Uh, They're always very contentious. They still do it at local footy, and it's always like, um, you know, some young kid who's played twenty percent better than he ever has, and he suddenly won best on ground. And the the old key forward who's kicked fifteen again. <laughs> so we can't we can't give him another Macus voucher. Oh, he's doing too well. This is just another. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to bring up how how the talls are being discriminated against again. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's, if I can if I can share one story yes. from the social. Sticks out, and it is. I do have to make an apology for this because my dear late uncle Rick, who's since passed away, it involves him. He's a he was a mad Essendon man, like bombers to the core. And of course, whenever we play against you know bombers or whoever, you'd bring the family members or whoever into the club, you know, because it was our our home game. And what he used to do is a bit of a trick to pull the ladies. Um, pretty good looking rooster, but what he'd do is he'd disappear into the bathroom. And wet his hair up and put the towel on like he'd just come like one of the opposition players that had you know, 
he's come off the ground sort of thing. Eh? And so Uncle Rick, he, he tried it on a few times, to be honest, but I don't know how successful he was, but it always made us laugh anyway. Oh, that's funny. That is a funny technique. <laughs> just stink it up a bit, you know. Just, yeah. Bit of, oh, God. <laughs> the, the commitment on that is just extraordinary. It, it has yeah. to have worked once, just for... Oh, look, the, the trick is because because he was a bombers man, like you didn't as long as you remotely looked like a player, the locals in Footscray wouldn't know who you were. Of so of course it would have it absolutely would have paid off. I they reckon. wouldn't want to be polite, so it's like, oh, you did well today, mate. I, yeah, I really yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, good, good, good goal. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't see a yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so the social club was where Barker's is now, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and what when did that finish? So the the, the typical after match. Um, you know, you go into obviously probably when we start, say, we start playing it at Western. Yeah, I'd say probably when we finished playing there, which was August 23, 1997. Okay. I remember um, it. Two years old. Very, yeah. very fondly remember it. You did great that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cracker of a day, too, against West Coast, oh, yes. too. That was a blinder that day. Yeah. Poured rain, but great day. It was weird because it was actually quite a sunny day, but as soon as you got into West Footscray Station, the, cra- the cloud, it just like God went, oh no, you, this is your last day, this is how you will remember it. Yes, yeah. this is exactly how you've dealt with it for the last 120 years. Yeah. You're not going to get a sunshiny uh, day today. Yeah, I was, and, and it's funny, I, I mean, I know we have our traditional enemies like the Giants, speaking of, of you know, who we, who we fondly don't like very much, but at the time, I think West Coast was our like mortal enemy in terms right. of the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, and also, yeah, that's only a couple of years after the Danny Southern, Peter Sumich. Uh, it was weird, yeah. We always used to beat him in Melbourne because we'd play him at Witten Oval mm. and they'd thump us at Subiaco. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it was, yeah, you kind of had to, yeah, bring the, bring the... How do you think we'll go uh, this weekend since we're on uh, the Giants? We, we, are we in Canberra or is this at spot? As it's spotless. Uh, we should know these things. All I know is it's on TV. It's definitely not in Melbourne. I know that for a fact. Yeah, um, Mate, I think uh, the Giants have been going a little bit better from what I understand the last few weeks. We're, we're actually not favourites. There you go. Giants Stadium. Which is spotless, right? Or whatever they yeah, use. Yeah, whatever. I like yeah, Giants since It's in Sydney. We're not favourites. Um, but look, well, I, I think we've got a couple of things favorite. going for us, you know. Timmy's playing well. He's mm-hmm. back. Uh, we've just signed on the two Mosquito Fleets. Bailey Dale and uh, Caleb Daniel for yes. you know the next 15, 15 years each. Oh, and, and Tim English has signed on as well. Oh, did, uh, yeah, I, that was when was that last week? Yeah, but they they they're sort of announcing a lot of uh, good news this week. I, I don't know yeah. why. Well, it could yeah, I don't know exactly why. <laughs> could have been there. Yeah. Oh, just on that, can I can I ask a question, Tom? Of you, I, I've got no experience in this at all. What's it like for a player when they do sign a contract? What would is it just is it a is it a mental relief? Is it a, is it a you know, a game changer. How do you sort of feel when when that happens? Is it a vindication of your hard work, or or how does it work? Couldn't tell you, mate. I signed one contract in my career. Oh, you obviously, did one for the Giants and one no, for the Dogs. Not really. I did one for the Giants that was not really signing a contract. It was just getting drafted, and then I had. One, I will tell you the actual answer, Brick Man. But I also had, the one I had was to move to a different club, vastly different situation. Then, hey, you've been playing well. Here's an extra three years. Jump, uh. you know. So I think. Um, like I'll say two things. It's obviously really hard when people are trying to work through contracts that are, let's say, um, in the media spotlight for starters. So it's often the discrepancy. What happens is, and it's not a perfect equation, but generally it's like you know the, the club approaches the player or the player approaches the club. And when the player approaches the club, generally speaking, their manager's got this big idea that either 
there are no fuss players, so we just want to get us just get it done, so we don't have to worry about it. Or hey, this guy is a player they really need. We've got some leverage. Give us a lot of cash. And as soon as that second conversation happens, which obviously hasn't happened with the, uh, definitely Caleb and Bailey because it hasn't been in the news. I think Tim's been drawn out a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. There was rumours of uh, Frio and which Eagles. which always started to create a bit of competition. And look, the Bulldogs can't lose Tim. Let's be no. honest. <laughs> we put too like, much. Tim knows that they can't lose him, and so does his manager. I presume because he's from Perth, he's managed by Colin Young, but I don't know that for a fact. So don't quote me. So when that happens, there's always this. Um, this little wedge that gets put, tried to be pushed into the playing group because the player is made to be sound, uh, to sound like they're really greedy or whatever, but it's it's never really the case. At at the group level, like at the actual player level, it's almost always just business as usual. We all have to go through this. It happens like this. I think there was ten or eleven players turned over in my first season at the Bulldogs. So when I first got there, there was ten or eleven of us come in: draftees, me, Joel Hamling, yeah. um, a few other players. So it's like every single year you've got probably 25 to 30% of the list re-upping on their contract or potentially even more doing extension. So you can't really let it bother you too much. But the other equation is that the coach, if you're in under contract talks and the coach is feeling like this is annoying him, which, which can happen, it's the first conversation they have with the player if the player's not playing as well as they should be. It's, so this contract stuff, distracting you a bit, mate, eh? You know, yeah. and and it's very hard. Like I, I remember talking to Lipinski um, to Paddy when when he was going through it, stuck in Tasmania when they leaked it. So this is just last year. Yeah, this was before he left, oh. right? So it came out when they were on that four week journey to the grand final. Yeah, yep. and I remember. Um, well, at least I'll tell you what I texted him. I said, "Mate, just whatever happens." Don't talk to anyone about it. Just let your management do the do-, do their job. That's what you're paying them for. Because as much as coaches in this day and age are more professional, they're still coaches. <laughs> and they're still, you know, they still want to win and they still fr- get frustrated. They, they're just people. So um, that's the, the real challenging bit on a personal level when that sort of stuff happens. But um, yeah, for the vast majority of the time, it's just business as usual. See, Brickman, yeah, look, are you it's, it's, contracted to another year of Lego Masters? Because I've heard the rumours are you, you Master Chef are sniffing around, and uh, yeah. you, know, you could be, a, you, you know, you're a marquee player. You could demand, demand mega bucks for that. There's definitely no marquee here. Let me tell you, that's not a word that's bandied around this house. <laughs> I'm bandying it, pal. You carry yeah. that show. Yeah. Um, look, it's funny. It's I mean, in the entertainment world, I'm only relatively new to entertainment. I've only been doing it a few years. It's exactly the same thing. The last thing I want to be doing is having to deal with people that I work with on a day-to-day basis, knowing that there's an argument about financial remuneration happening at the same time. You don't want to look at the same person in the eye and go, hey, I think I'm worth more than you think that I'm worth and, you know, have to do that and it clouds that. So the whole concept of having a manager as, as what it is in football is exactly the same. I just want to focus on what I'm doing, i.e. doing cool stuff out of Lego and, and making good TV. Yeah. Last thing I want to do is have you know, those conversations distracting anyone. So it's kind of similar, I guess, yeah. in a roundabout sort of way. Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. And it's like, uh, yes, managers do charge too much sometimes. And <laughs> um, in the AFL world, it's actually quite interesting because essentially the like flat fee is 4% of your playing contract and 20% of your other external stuff. So they make yep. all their money on endorsements, which, of course, tends to send them towards the players who are marketable. 
Um, of course. But for many players, you know, that 4% just goes to, you know, a phone call once a month. That's about it. A free lunch every yep. now and again, you know, yep. and then every two years they just renegotiate their contract for them and then they just keep going, which is why there's all these, you know, there's, there's rules around, you know, big talent agencies not having a monopoly on their total playing list um, and all that sort of thing. So it is a funny world. Did you watch Brickman? Did you watch that show they put up on uh, Stan? I think Show Me the Money about the player agents. Oh. No, I haven't seen that. That sounds interesting, it's, though. It's, it's about a trade period, right? It's about a trade period. Yeah, it's yeah. really not. It, it's so. It, it makes you. It, they all just seem like the dodgiest real estate agents yeah. you've ever. Like, you're going, oh, this would be interesting. And it's like, I hate all of you. Yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah. I've got a book coming out August 2. No, <laughs> uh, nowhere to hide, it's called. Um, and uh, that exact conversation is have. So during my uh, – and I don't name who all the different agents are because I'm not trying to, you know, make anyone seem like absolute assholes. But when I was going through the process, Brickman, of picking um, who I was going to go with, it was sort of like, okay, I'm 17. I'm almost certain to get drafted unless something cataclysmic happens. Let's just get it out of the way so I don't have to worry about it, right? Because as an 18-year-old, you'll get pestered by managers basically being like, you know, what's going on? Do you want to sign? Do you want to sign? And I interviewed with basically four different companies and everyone was gradually better. And I ended up going with Liam Pickering and James Pitcher, who I still am with today, 10 years on or whatever it is, almost 10 years. And um, one of the three that I'd met with called me up afterwards, still 17, by the way, um, Christmas holidays, I'm about to go back to school for my year 12, and I've done the right thing. I've called every one of them and said, I'm going this direction, I'm not going with you, I'm going this direction, I'm not going with you. One of them had the nerve to start like accosting a 17-year-old, being like, mate, why would you go with them? They've got all these stars. You're not going to get any attention. Oh, I think brilliant. you're making a massive mistake. And me and Dad, I'm just like sweating, just freaking yeah. out, right? Because, again, I'm like, what did I – like, why am I in trouble? What did I do? 17-year-old kid. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, never spoke to the bike since. But, anyway, that's all good. Are they still yeah, in the good, game? Good uh, probably. Yeah, I don't that's know. a shame. I don't know. You always like to hear that they end up, you know. But it's really, it's a really uncomfortable position to be in, and you know, you're not trying to disappoint people. And then the other great thing, Brickman, this is what people forget: managers work for you, not the other way around. And they yeah. will try and try to convince you that you work for them. It's not the case. <laughs> you pay the bills. Just follow which way the money flows, and then you work out who's employing who. And it's all very totally. simple. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brickman, I, the main reason I got you on is uh, even before uh, I knew you were a, a, a Bulldogs fan, although I had, uh, you know, before you became the, 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 the TV star that you are, and I know you don't like terms like that because you're a, you're a humble guy, but... Superstar. Super, well, and I'm going to go proper hyperbole here, but I genuinely mean it. You did create what I think is the greatest work of art in Australian history, which is on, which was on display at Maya Toys in the city of Melbourne, it's it's been moved into storage, but they got to bring it back. It's a Lego MCG oh. on Grand Final Day, where the Bulldogs are thumping Collingwood, and it is perfect. It's 
it's a proper fantastic scene. There are so like I could stare at it for hours because you have put in so many one percent of jokes in there. It's a full crowd in the stadium yeah, as well. I, I, how how big is this thing, Quick Man? Give us a bit of Ladyland. And how long did it take? What what was the the journey to making up this finals affair when we could have just done you know our actual premiership maybe a few years? Uh, well, <laughs> it was he was he made it before. <laughs> That's right. I figured. Yeah. So and uh, did you make it just so you could see what it was like to see the dogs winning on? Grand final day. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So, firstly, it was it was just under two thousand hours to put together. Holy. But I'll, I'll I'll preface that a little bit because privilege of being the boss, when you have underlings underneath mm. you, you can get them to do the shit jobs, mm. right? So, yes. so like the making of the five thousand little people, not this black duck. <laughs> no chance. So, so you know, I was a little bit smart on that, but it was. It was late 2014 when I made that model. Oh, dark, so dark time in our footy club's history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was well well sort of prior to we thought we'd had a shot at it, you know. But in that there was a lot of hope. There was a you know Stringer Bond, you know Dalhouse, all of these young kids basically full of hope. I believe, so, and you you might you probably remember better. I believe Jake Stringer's kicked seven goals in the scene. It, that's what I put in there, and I think the Bont got a few, and Dalhouse got yes. a few as well. And I think we were winning by like 130 points or yeah. something as well, so that that helps a lot, oh, yeah. of course. But one of my favourite jokes uh, is the fullback uh, for the Bulldogs has brought out a deck chair and is reading a newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that was uh, that. That was Brian Lake back in the oh, day. Yes. So. Um, of course, he often bought a dick chair even when it wasn't grand final day. Yeah, or when the Bulldogs weren't going that well, might I add. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, and of course all those things, you know, being a person that loves to put little jokes and Easter eggs and that kind of stuff and, you know, very passionate about the western suburbs, I had to put all those little jokes in the little Franco Cotso jokes and, yes, of course. and all, that, all, that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I had, had a lot of... A lot of that, and, and even outside the ground, like the Collingwood cheer squad are being let in from a divvy van. <laughs> Totally. It's like day release. Right? So how big was and, it, um, Brickman? What are we talking here? Because I'm trying to visualise it. So, yeah, size-wise, it was about two and a half metres wide and about sort of a metre and a half high. But I only made half of it. I only made sort of the Southern or the Shane Warne stand right, side of the ground now. And, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun making it. And I figure, like all of my things that I that I make, like if I have fun making it, hopefully someone will have fun enjoying yeah. it. So. That's kind of how we roll. 100%. I, I still remember the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's a, a Lego MCG. Oh, my God, the Bulldogs are playing. Oh, it's the grand final. Oh, my God, Stringer's kicked seven. <laughs> this is just layers of joy. But if I can share just how well that model's aged, because, you know, football, of course, it, it remembers and it forgets pretty bloody quickly. The person who's got the ball taking a screamer is none other than Liam Jones. Wow. So... <laughs> Wow. Footy gods. And he did end up taking quite a few screamers. He had a very good career at Carlton after Yeah, not for us. Not for us, though. Nah. Could be coming back. One of the uh, – actually, I ran into him actually very briefly up in Byron after – all of the drama had happened, and um, of course he is—that's so on brand. Well, the, the the funniest thing about him was that he'd left. So he left the Bulldogs before me, and the stories about how athletic and how strong he was were still very prevalent. Like Dale Morris to this day will say, one of the most powerful people he's ever seen. He lifted the heaviest, was the strongest, the most most athletic, and just didn't get it to quite work. 
at the, his time at the Bulldogs, and he was playing forward, and he's playing, but he's found yeah. his spot at fullback. So yeah, um, yeah it's funny how th- back. There's rumours he'll come back once the the vaccination restrictions are. Uh, taken away, but uh, anyway, he is. I wish him. Down. I wish him well. I think Absolutely. he. I think he's done very well for himself. I think there's a two projects we need from you, Brickman. If you feel like you're spending four thousand hours, <laughs> well, we, he's got underlings. I didn't know you had underlings. I thought you. How do you? So did you? He didn't say he had underlings. He does it all himself. Oh, of course, brick <laughs> by brick. <laughs> I'm not one of those claim claim everything. No, I've got quite a team underneath me. I actually got a team of about 25 at the moment, oh, so wow. we're, we're quite big in our workshop. So how do you you just start a company making Lego for corporate events? Um, yeah, well, um, someone has to do it, right? You think about all the yeah, Lego yeah, yeah. stores that are around, all the big exhibitions that are around everywhere. Someone's got to do it, so I, I figured it may as well be me. Well, but coming from Danish heritage, mate, I'm very proud. I've been <laughs> to the Lego factory. <laughs> I know people who work there, and I know people who've built stuff now because I met you. Yeah. The two projects I want to see is an updated version of the 2016 grand final. Mhm. And how an updated version. So so at with so, the Bulldogs and the Swans. So so Buddy's just been tackled by Yep. Dale yeah, Morris. that'd be good. I mean, that's I can't yep. ask for that, but you know, wink wink yeah, that'd be good. Um <laughs> No, I'm actually look, can I can I offer an alternative okay, suggestion to that? I'm thinking it's Tobias on on oh, uh, giving yeah. you the hug. Oh, yeah. I reckon that's the moment. I reckon that's the moment. Yeah, I did because um, un- right underneath Liam Jones taking that screamer is I assumed Ryan Griffin back then because it was 2014. But just a player with 16, I had I did zoom in once, take a photo and sent it to Toby, going, "That's Lego, you." <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit. Don't hard tell to him ex- it was. Sorry, go ahead, Brickman. No, I was going to say, don't tell him it's Ryan. Whatever you do, good lord. <laughs> it's um. It's a bit hard to really express in Lego, I think, the Shane Biggs never forget, unless you had like 15 players just like bowled over behind him as he's just tackled and chased and tackled and chased. Yeah, yeah. The Liam Picken, uh, you know, Billy the Kid moment, taking that huge yep. screamer, hang time, that's a pretty good moment too. Um, that's pretty, I, actually, the wall of Biggs, I reckon there's there's legs in the yeah, wall of Biggs. That's what I was thinking. I might just, what I might do in that pocket when he, when he did that, I might just make seven Biggsies <laughs> and just have him. Yeah. Like multiple things See, at once, you, you know? this is what you do, because I was thinking the other way. Let's just make 15 Swans players just knocked over on the ground. But you're yeah. right, the seven yeah. bigsies would be better. Um, and yeah. the other thing is that it won't be now, but in the future, what will the uh, brand new MCG actually look like now that they've released the plans for the $1 Ooh. billion dollar upgrade? Because they've got, like, they've got artist mocks, and it would be very cool yeah. to see what it actually look like in they Lego. Look like spaceships. Yeah, it sort of keeps the character of the old stand underneath, but it sort of provides like that futuristic bit up top. And by the way, we're looking at a computer-generated image here. Once the you know the four million seagulls sit on it for a while, <laughs> it'll start looking a bit more real. Well, I mean, we need to be careful here because we don't want the gentrification of, of a sacred place like that. This is a, the ground of the people, right? So we can't have it too corporate you know? We yeah, can't have too many... MCC's not corporate at all. <laughs> <laughs> we probably need to think about, you know, making it a bit more for the people. So I, I'll find a way to do that in Lego somehow. I, I mean, whether it's $15 beers, who knows, but I'll, I'll find a way of trying to keep it reasonable for the human man, you know? See, the thing I love about the the already existing uh, Lego MCG is it is there's a fantastical element to it of us thumping Collingwood with that squad, I would love you to create the other side, the northern stand, even with the MCC members, and maybe, Brickman, we could be thumping the demons 
And so you've yeah. got all of the uh, the Olympic stand side. That's all filled with happy bulldogs. And the MCC, there's just some dour toffs. <laughs> Can I, I actually have an Olympic stand memory if, I, if I'm allowed to indulge. Um, so, of course, having, like any Bulldog supporter, the ritual of so many losing preliminary finals. Like it was, you know, it's a thing, yeah. okay? And even to the point in 2016, I actually didn't want to go because I thought I was the problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, right? But so I remember sitting in the Olympic stand for four of those losing preliminary finals, right? And the day that it got knocked down, I went and had a beer in front of that stand the day it got knocked down to celebrate it being torn down. wow. Because I hated that stand so much. (laughs) So I'm guessing 97, 98... 08, 09, 10. Yes. I was at all those as well. So, so, no, no, so it was, 80, me, it was 85. Oh. It was 92, 97, 98, after those four. Wow. Man, that's a, yeah, we all should have, that should have been a thing. We all should have gone down there and just, and just urinated on it. Just, <laughs> just. Like pitchforks and torches and stuff yeah. and let the thing burn, you Do know? Some sort of healing ceremony. Good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. We should do. We should do that when Optus Stadium gets knocked down. <laughs> what in Perth? Yeah, in like five hundred years. Yeah, time. well, still, I'm. I'm sure descendants of of us will. Uh, we beat yeah. it, but we have. Uh, what's the big issue with Optus Stadium? We lost the grand final there. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Was it doesn't asterisk. count, right? Didn't happen. Yeah, asterisk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, Brigham, we should uh, wrap up. Thanks so much for for coming on. Um, what? Let's plug uh, everything. Obviously, Lego Masters is on nine now. If you want to, it is uh, get involved. Yep. And um, it, it, depending on when this airs, um, Hamish Blake and the show are up for a Logie. So if you get a chance to vote for the Logies, that's true. Um, but you you may be up against uh, uh, what what category are you in? Uh, best entertainment show. Okay, is that up against? Have you been paying attention? Who I work for? Potentially. Oh, sorry, I think we should. You guys should make a bet. Um. <laughs> Because I also work for Front Bar and we're up for best current affairs show. We're up against four <laughs> corners. <laughs> <laughs> big, 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 sipping a beer yeah. against four corners. Yeah. That's awesome. It's ridiculous. Jeez, Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? How many times has Lee Sales been on the Front Bar? Uh, a couple. Yeah, we get her on. <laughs> she, she does, she's, she's, keep, she's up for a gag. <laughs> But yeah, no. Vote for uh, vote for Lego Masters. Vote for uh, vote for. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm also friends with Tom Gleason. Vote for whoever you want. It's a democracy. Actually, Brickman, are you up for anything? Can we vote for you? Uh, no, unfortunately, he's a Demons fan, so he has no. Don't don't vote. He's won enough. Yeah, Jeez, so, that plug uh, really got derailed. Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry. Where the ladies' vote voting is open. <laughs> vote yeah. how you yeah. may choose. Yeah. <laughs> No, this and uh, they they close Saturday. This is coming out uh, tomorrow, Friday. We recorded this Thursday. And, and buy the Brictionary. Oh dear, buy the Brictionary. Yeah, by all means. What is it? Go on. So it's it's basically the A to Z of cool Lego things. Oh yeah. So yeah. give it to the family and to the kids, and they can make incredible things and hopefully be inspired to to do awesome stuff. Available yeah. in all good bookstores. All good bookstores. I will uh, certainly purchase for my daughter. I'm yeah, sure no, that... Brickman sent one to, for for my kids. They love it. Great. Oh, well, I'll, pay, I'll, I'll pay the bill. There you go. How about that, D- Danny? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if, if you didn't have COVID, I would I was going to give you some official uh, uh, Bulldogs Bannerman stubby holders just to to make up oh. for it. But uh, hey, we'll get you back, mate. We'll get you back. Well, can I can I do a plug then on that? Please. I, when are you coming back, mate? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Long conversation for another time. <laughs> yeah, that's for the, uh, for the people live want show it. Of, uh, the, the, the people want it. Sign up to Patreon. We'll tell you. All right, no. So look out for the Danny McGinley OnlyFans. No problems yes. at all. All good. Correct. <laughs> and he will be doing just explicit writing of banners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, making fun of Hawthorne's Embrace the Hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brickman. Go, dogs. Go, dogs. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Eight Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook. Star Energy. I give my childhood to that role of the red, white, and blue sea, and the knowledge that you had to love the bulldog boys and me. Twenty years on, I feel that longing hanging in September air. The reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets Long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets